Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. All right, we're going to continue today with a series that we started last week. We're calling it As the Father. Uh, Last week, we looked at John chapter 20, where Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed on his disciples, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, to be sent as Jesus was sent means to be sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a part of it. That's the reason that Jesus breathed on them immediately after, immediately after making that command to be sent as the Father sent Jesus. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, something that Jesus calls us to pursue that sounds great, and it sounds even a little bit poetic, but it is really hard to live out. It's one of the most challenging uh, teachings that I've ever given, I believe, because it's been incredibly incredibly challenging to me as I've been studying this uh, this week. It's out of Luke chapter 6. Jesus is speaking in verse 36, and he simply says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Your translation of the Bible might say, be compassionate as your father is compassionate. Now, Uh, As you're probably aware of by now, one of the things that I do uh, every week when I'm preparing a message is I like to go into the original languages of Scripture just to see if there's any insight that I can gain that's not in the English translation. So I did that this week. I studied every time Jesus brought up the topic of mercy or compassion, uh, and I looked at the original languages. Usually this is very helpful. This week it had the complete opposite effect. This week, I looked into the original languages, and I was left confused uh, and really just stumped. Now, the reason for my confusion uh, is the gospel talks about, or the gospels talk about compassion, and they talk about mercy more than 20 times, more than a dozen times in the gospel of Luke alone, but only on one occasion does the gospel use the word that we just read in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, Uh, Only one occasion does the gospel use that. I'm going to put the word on the screen. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but you're welcome to in your own time. But this word simply means to be full of compassion and tender mercy. To be full of compassion and tender mercy. That's why some of your translations say mercy. Some say compassion because the word means both. But literally, Luke 6.36 would read this way. Be full of compassion and tender mercy just as your father is full of compassion and tender mercy. Now, here's where I got confused, uh, because I looked at all of the other occasions in the Gospels where they talk about compassion and they talk about mercy, including the Gospel of Luke, and in every other occasion, they use a different word in the Greek language. I'll give you an example in Luke chapter 10, when uh, it's talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is talking, uh, and he gets to the end of the story, and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? Uh, this is Luke 10, 36 and 37. It says, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy, which is a completely different word, elios, on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. So the expert in the law is speaking of mercy and compassion, and he uses a completely different word. Do you want to know the meaning of this word? The meaning of this word is full of compassion and tender mercy. It's the exact same meaning as as the different word in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 36. Again, Luke 6, 36 is the only time 
that that word that we, we showed on the screen earlier, the only time that that word shows up in Scripture. Now, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. That means it is there on purpose. It's there for a reason. I believe that down to the specific word, the specific tense. Everything we have in Scripture, I think, is I believe is purposeful, meaning that when Jesus uses a different word in Luke 6.36 and only in Luke 6.36, he does it on purpose. And I want to know what's the purpose. Why would he use a different word that has the same meaning as the word they're using everywhere else? Why not just use the same word? So uh, what I did, because I couldn't figure this out, is I reached out to a friend of mine. He's way smarter than I am. I know you didn't know that existed, but he's way smarter than I am, uh, especially in the matters of the original languages of Scripture. And do you know what happened? I stumped him. Uh, how many of you... Uh, you don't know something, but you feel so much better when you know other people don't know it as well. Uh, I still remember in high school, if I did bad on a test, I would say something like, who else missed number 13? And as long as somebody rose, rose their hand, I was like, hey, hey, all right. I'm not the only one who doesn't know this. But I stumped the expert in these original languages for all of about five minutes, and then he found the answer, and I was right back humbled again. But uh, on these many other occasions when uh, the Bible talks about mercy and compassion and it uses these other words, uh, it, it uses these words because they speak of mercy and compassion uh, in a very generalized way, on a very broad spectrum. And what I mean by that is these words express mercy and, and compassion uh, and it can be on any level from God to man, it can be compassion and mercy um, among believers. It can even be compassion and mercy, no matter, matter how great or small, among non-believers. It's a really broad scale when it comes to the degree of compassion or the scale of mercy. But the mercy that Jesus commands us to, the mercy that he instructs us to in Luke chapter 6, 36, uh, is not a, uh, a generalized word. It's actually very specific. It's a word that's used throughout the rest of the Bible, and it only ever refers to the compassion and the mercy that is shown by God to man. It only refers to a godly compassion. It's used way back in Exodus 33 when God spoke to Moses and said, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and compassion on whom I have compassion. Now the significance of this is when Jesus calls us to be people of compassion and great mercy, just as God is, uh, the Father is of great mercy and compassion, Jesus is saying that the scale of compassion and mercy that we are to live by, he's not calling us to live by the example that is set by culture around us. He's saying there is one source, one source of compassion that sets the example for us, and that's the compassion of the Father. Now, this, is, this, this changes everything, at least for me. The reason is because if you say, Pastor, are you compassionate and are you merciful, then what I can do is I can think of someone who's not compassionate and not merciful, and I can say, yeah, comparatively, I'm a pretty merciful guy. And comparatively, I'm a compassionate guy. But what Jesus has just done is he's taken that crutch away. What Jesus has just done is he's taken that comparison to others and that comparison to culture out of the picture. And he said, the compassion that I am calling you to is actually on a divine scale. 
The mercy that I'm calling you to is actually on a divine scale. I'm calling uh, my followers to emulate the, the compassion and the mercy of the Father and the Father alone. It's a completely new bar that, that has been set. I'm reminded of John chapter 13 when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in verse 34, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, the problem with that, if you stop right there, uh, is it's not a new command. Uh, the command to love one another goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19. It was written in the law thousands of years before. Uh, but what Jesus does is he doesn't stop there. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. What Jesus did is he redefined love itself. He, he, he set the example of love, and he said, this is the example you follow, not culture's love, not, not the love that's displayed in society, the love that is displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the love that you have been called to. And then he says, if you can get this right, this selfless love that just serves and loves others, if you can get this right, everyone will see it, and they'll know you're my follower. And now he's doing something similar with mercy and compassion. He's taking our current understanding of mercy and compassion, and he's upping the ante by saying it's not based on culture. It's based on the compassion and the mercy and the grace of God. He's elevating the call on our lives. He's calling us to a mercy and a compassion that to that point, had only ever been used to describe the compassion of God. Now, what does this look like exactly? Well, he actually tells us exactly what it looks like if we simply back up a little bit in Luke chapter 6. Instead of 36, we'll begin in verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening. Now, you can tell at that moment he's about to say something that's hard to receive, and not everybody is going to be able to receive it. He says, to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to the, them the other side also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Pay attention to this part. Because... He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then he says, be merciful the exact same way your father is merciful. What Jesus does here, I don't know if you noticed, but he names two groups of people that I personally find it very hard to show compassion and mercy towards, the ungrateful and the wicked. Just to break it down one by one, what Jesus is saying, if you want to let it sink in for a minute, is be full of compassion and tender mercy towards those who are ungrateful for it. Wow. 
You know, you are in certain people's lives for a reason. You are in certain ungrateful people's lives for a reason, to be compassionate towards them, to be merciful towards them, to be full of tender mercy. And church, it's going to be hard. And, and you know, there are going to be a lot of days where you don't do very good at it. And then there are going to be other days that you work really hard at it. And maybe you have that day where you are really compassionate and really merciful. And do you know what would be nice? Just a little appreciation for it. But that's not part of being compassionate to the merciful and the un, or to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Jesus defined godly compassion as compassion that, compassion that is really independent of another person's thankfulness or their gratefulness. Jesus says God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Now, I, I don't expect anyone to, to leave here today and just flip a switch and all of a sudden that's you. You know, I'm just kind to everyone. Uh, I show compassion and mercy even on the ungrateful and the wicked. And the reason I don't expect that is because what we find in Scripture is just a couple of later uh, chapters after this takes place, we get to the story with the disciples, which is really funny. And you would think Luke chapter 6 never happened because now they're in this position where they can put it into practice. In Luke chapter 9 now, verse 51, it says, As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus turned and rebuked them. These are the same people who just a few chapters ago, Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? No, Jesus says, even those who are wicked and evil, I'm calling you to have compassion and mercy towards them. And the disciples are given the opportunity to do this, and they want to call down fire from heaven. Now, I don't know how in tune you are with the news as of late. Um, We are moving into a season where maybe you've never been able to relate as a church to being persecuted or, or to being hated, uh, but that season is going out the window. Uh, with the Supreme Court nearing the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, uh, praise God for that, but with that decision looming, uh, there is a war right now, and it is against the Christian church, and I'll just show you a few pictures here that have been in the news as of late. Uh, these are pregnancy centers uh, that are being vandalized and, and uh, being set on fire, actually. You can go ahead and cycle through a couple of them there. Uh, set on fire. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, and, and being threatened. And then this, I think it's the next picture, uh, is a church. Uh, the church is being attacked and persecuted based on these decisions. Is that, is that the last one I have? Uh, but there, this is happening all over America, and it's not going to go backwards. Uh, because we're entering into a season that has been promised in Scripture. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. If, if we're actually following Jesus, this is what we're walking into. Now, my human response to this is to say, God, 
can we call down the fire of heaven and destroy all of them? But what Jesus says is, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, pray for those who mistreat you, and we are entering into a season where that's going to be put to the test. You're going to be tested in this if you are part of the Christian church. Uh, I don't know, I mean, there are churches right now, Joel Osteen's church had protesters in it just a couple weeks ago that stood up in the middle of the service uh, and started, uh, I won't talk about what they did in the service, you might know what they did, but uh, very inappropriate, and they protested in the middle of the church service because it's a war on the church, and it's not going away. But Jesus said, God is kind to the ungrateful and kind to the wicked. Why is he kind? Uh, It's not to say, hey, I'm, I'm okay with your sin. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads to repentance. I don't know if you're seeing at this point why Jesus began this statement by saying, to him who has the ears, to him who can hear this, because this is really hard to hear and it's really hard to practice. And what Jesus does is he explains what it means to be merciful the way that God is merciful to us. He explains what it means to be compassionate the way that God is compassionate. And then I love this because then he shows us. So as we come out of Luke chapter 6, we go straight into Luke chapter 7. And what we find is a Roman centurion sends word to Jesus that his servant is sick, and he asks Jesus to heal him. Now, the the context of this would be the Romans were enemies of the Jewish people. They were oppressing and taxing the Jewish people. The Jewish people would have said, they don't deserve it. They are our enemies. But what Jesus has just taught is we bless our enemies, we bless those who have persecuted us, persecuted us, and I think that's why Jesus, immediately after talking about this godly compassion, goes into this situation where he can show them what it looks like. I'll meet the needs of even my enemies. I can meet the needs of even those who disagree with me. And then we go straight from there into Luke chapter 7, verse 11, and I'll read this uh, passage, 11 through 15. It says, soon afterward, so this is right after the centurion Uh, servant. It says, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from, from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Literally, uh, it says, um, that Jesus was moved with compassion here. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the, the bear and they were, they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, when Jesus talked about what it looks like to show godly compassion, you can come up, Renee, godly compassion and godly mercy, there were essentially two categories that he talked about. First of all, he said, you want to do this, uh, to those who are your enemies. And then he went into this whole dialogue about, or or monologue about loving those and giving to those who will never repay you. So what he does is he goes to the centurion, who's an enemy of the Jewish people, and then he goes to this widow, and he seeks her out, and he meets her need. Why does that matter? Because he does this to a woman who could never pay him back for what he's doing. 
she's a widow with one son. She can never repay him. She can never reciprocate his action. But he's showing mercy and compassion both to his enemies and to those who can never repay what he's doing. The Bible says specifically, he was moved with compassion to the point of meeting her need. Jesus is illustrating everything that he's been taught or been teaching. Uh, And there's one more thing I see happening here. In the first instance, when the Roman centurion comes, he's looking for Jesus. He's searching for Jesus to show him mercy and compassion. But in the second instance, the woman's not searching for Jesus. Jesus seeks her out. Jesus is actually looking for opportunities to show compassion without being asked, to show mercy without being asked. When Jesus makes this statement and he says, be merciful and compassionate as your Father in heaven is merciful and compassionate, I don't think he is placing an expectation on you that you're going to get this right every time because you're not. But I think he's giving you something to pursue. I tell you something about biblical compassion and mercy. It is inconvenient. It gets in the way of your daily routine. Sometimes I think we need that. Sometimes I think we need that reminder that I'm not just here to get in this routine of life. I'm not here just to arrive safely at death. But God has placed us here to love people the way that he loved us and and, and to show mercy and compassion the way that the Father has shown mercy and compassion on us. Can you stand with me this morning? The Bible says in, in the book of Romans that it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. In fact, it goes so far as to say we were enemies of God when he laid his life down on the cross. That means... We had not come to him yet. We in no way deserved him yet. We in no way earned what he did on the cross. While we were enemies is when he made the greatest sacrifice in history. And maybe there's somebody in your life that you know you could show mercy and compassion on. And maybe in the back of your mind, you're just waiting until they deserve it just a little bit waiting until they earn it just a little bit or they're grateful just a little bit or they're not wicked just a little bit. Biblical compassion doesn't wait. And biblical mercy doesn't wait. It seeks the opportunity to show compassion. I hope that's easier for you than it is for me because this is a hard one. What I would encourage you to do as Renee leads us, she is back here. She's tucked back behind me. Uh, It's just take some time to pray and pray that the Holy Spirit will show you, you know, God, uh, is there someone in my life that you have placed there for me to be compassionate towards? For me to be merciful towards? Is there anyone that we have deemed undeserving so we're not taking these steps and 
God is saying, no, I've placed you here purposely. So, Father, I pray this morning, even as Renee leads us, that you would just speak to our hearts. I pray that we could be compassionate and merciful the way that you have been to us. And this morning, we thank you so much for the mercy and the compassion that you've poured out into our lives. We invite your presence and your spirit to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name. You would just transform us, uh, mold us into who you've designed us to be. I pray that we would be ambassadors in your hands and your feet, God. Lord, we pray that you go with us this week and that we recognize those opportunities for compassion and mercy. In Jesus' name. Church, one more time, happy Father's Day. Uh, through no action of my own, April and the youth group have uh, set up some uh, ice cream sundaes and brownies out here, so they're for everybody. Uh, just think of your best dad joke. That's your way through the ice cream. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, May God bless you.